my dad is he's here this morning and you know at Christmas time you have a lot of memories of your past and some of my memories of my dad is uh, he was a a brute 33 man you guys remember brute if you were a brute 33 man just raise your hand I just want to worship you for a second I don't know how something so inexpensive can smell so manly <laughs> I used to smell my dad's presence down the hall, and I would just think, one day I will ascend the mountain of manhood. <laughs> you know, you go into uh, like a Macy's, and it's like, mm, no. I want to go to CVS and get me some brute. <laughs> the other thing I remember about my dad, and I did it in his honor today, my dad has more white button-downs than any man I've ever known. My dad's a starch man. True story. I went to his closet one time. I, I swear. There were like 14 starched white shirts. And it was in that moment I said, one day, one day when I get older, I will starch my shirts and I will tuck them in. My, my dad, Jim Norris, I've never seen him one day, 46 years I've been on the earth, I've never seen him with an untucked shirt, ever. When I was growing up, if you untucked your shirt, you were either... About to be arrested for something, or from California, one of the two. <laughs> some of you California people in here, you're, I'm just telling growing up in the South, you tuck your shirt in. One time, I've been married for like two years, and I'm like, I'm going to untuck my shirt. My wife said, what are you doing? <laughs> she went to Leviticus 6 and was like, uh-uh, we don't do that <laughs> in this marriage. Um, I did not make myself in my mother's womb. The father did. Father made me short, and I added to that by making myself frumpy. <laughs> when I untuck my shirt, it, I look like Tom Hanks in Big. <laughs> I don't like tucking my shirt in at all. I was put on the earth to be mentored by Jimmy Buffett and to walk with Jesus. I... I just, I get triggered when I have to tuck my shirt in. And after the holidays, you feel like a little bit male pregnant when you tuck your shirt in. It's like, man, my stomach is like, if you untuck it, it's like, okay, I'm more comfortable. You're more comfortable. We're all more comfortable. <laughs> my wife said a few years ago, why don't you just, you know, everybody's untucking their shirts now. It's the cool thing to do. Just untuck it. I said, I can't. Look at this. The reason I roll my sleeves up is because my arms are so short. Well, you can't roll your shirt up. And that's when I found the greatest company that's ever been formed on this earth. It's a company called Untuck It. All right. All right. Now, this is a little awkward. All right. But Bridgeway, I just heard some gasp just then. Bridgeway's a little different of a church. All right, take that off. It's making me uncomfortable. All right. Untuck It's philosophy is that they make shirts for every type of man and woman. Short, frumpy, tall, skinny. I want what they call an endomorph. All right, I study that. Endomorphs eat four carbs, gain nine pounds. If you're an ectomorph, you can't gain weight. It's like Corey. He's up here on stage, and the whole time he's talking, I'm like doing a reverse in the spirit of metabolism. I was like grabbing his metabolism and pulling it to me and giving him mine. Thank you, Father. Untuck its philosophy. They have taken off. 
the company's exploding because no matter what stage you're in, no matter how short your arms are, if you're short in front, you can untuck it. And they, I'm not going to put it up there again because it, it made me uncomfortable as well. But they, they even have guys like me. You know, you see some of these commercials, specifically the cologne commercials. I would never buy cologne. I have nothing in common with those people. You're on a beach. You're 6'3". You're perfectly tanned. Would you like some Elocuris? No, I don't. I don't want any of that. No, I want Brute 33. I want to go to Chipotle is what I want to do. Untucket's figured out that real people buy clothes. You look at some of these Abercrombie commercials or Gap, you don't know anybody that looks like that. I walk into a Gap, I work up an anaerobic sweat trying to put on a pair of jeans, really. So two years ago, Jack Hancock comes into the front. Jack, grandfather of my life, the spirit walks up and he goes, brother, that is a sharp shirt. And I pulled the tag up and I said, it's an untuck it. They made one that fit my body. At Bridgeway, what I don't ever want to do is to assume that everyone in this room or anyone who can hear me on podcast or however else he gets out of here, we're not all in the same place with God. It's just the truth. Psalm 24, who wants to ascend the mountain of God? Well, you want to ascend the mountain of God, there's different stages, right? There's different levels. But at Bridgeway, here's what I want. I just want this to be a place where we all can walk in friendship with God. Our one word's friendship. You may be in a short, frumpy stage with God right now. You may be visiting this church for the first time, heard someone pray in tongues, and you almost jetted out the back a second ago. You may be a ninja in the spirit. Oh, there's some ninjas in here. I don't want to point out any names, but sometimes I walk away from Delia Pellegrino. I'm like, no, let me get away. There's some people that are so high on the mountain, they, they just know you. You know what? Let's, just, let's say you're not even born again in here. You've never received baptism in the Spirit, and you're just trying to figure things out. You're welcome here, really. Let's untuck it. <laughs> let's say that you moved here from Bethel Church in Reading, like some have. You've seen more healings and miracles than I have. That's great, too. This is just a place, wherever you are, at least start ascending the mountain. Just put your shirt on, start ascending it. I'm, I'm looking at some people in here. You've been through tragedy the last couple of years. You've been through loss. You've been through death. Some of you have been through amazing um, breakthrough. It's funny. We're all so different, and we're all so alike. Our seasons, they crisscross. Wherever you are, just walk with them. And I want this to be a house, not for the superstars. This is actually a house for the lowly. You know what? Remember that passage where he said, uh, did we not do all these great things in your name? He said, depart from me. I don't know you. He wants to know you. And he's not looking for you to clean yourself up and then begin to walk with him. <laughs> just walk with him. Untuck it. That's a good opening. I think it relates. I think it's why we like reality TV shows. We like real places. It's what Corey said. This place is authentic. But it's not an excuse to stay in the place in your life that you don't like. Get moving. Jesus is always walking. Get moving. Boy, I, I got really convicted a couple of dreams this Christmas season. One of them, I haven't been popped like that by the Father in a long time. This was... 
after Christmas, like December 27th. In my dream, I was trying to uh, move my family out of the house, and he just moved us in, and I was trying to move us into the house that I grew up in the first six years of my life. And I was saying no to the provision and the blessing of the Father, and I was more comfortable uh, the opposite side of that. And in the dream, he convicted me. I even say he rebuked me. And he said, put your hand in the plow and don't ever look back. I get a text the next morning from an elder, Brian Woodard, sent a message out to all the elders. And he said, the Father gave me a passage this morning in Philippians that said, put your hand in the plow and don't look back. It's not a really good thing to keep your eyes on the past. God is always, as Graham Cook says, present, future-minded. Always. And it says in Hebrews, God gave me this, this in my dream too. I forgot to say this part. Those who shrink back are destroyed. Listen to that. Those who shrink back are destroyed. Those who press on, they shall be saved. Even Paul uses this terminology. Those who persevere and finish well shall be saved. Work out your salvation with fear and trimming. I am saved and I'm being saved. This is a paradox house. This is not a house to rest on your laurels or reflect on last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. If any form of counseling always has you focused on the past, it's not biblical in nature because there's always a hope calling us forward in God. You're ascending up a mountain. And whenever you get to the top of the mountain, you realize there's a lot more to go. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be done ascending the mountain. You're going to be discovering him for all eternity. He's huge. And that's my dad. He likes me. I'm clean. I love him. He's awesome. He's easy to love. He's easy to love, but he's very frustrating because he'll send you through seasons that you think are going to kill you. I once heard someone describe God as a chocolate-covered razor blade, and I said, I like that. That person was me that said that. The father reminds me of, of that song, Excuse me, ma'am, is that your knife in my back? Because what we don't want to talk about is how the lovingly Heavenly Father appears in an audible voice that scares people. And he says, this is my beloved baby whom I'm well pleased, ushers him into a desert. <laughs> you don't know who you are until you've been pushed to the brink. And the Father loves you enough to push you to the brink. Because resurrection power can only hit something that's dead to resurrect it. My favorite Rocky movie. I grew up on Rocky movies. Some of you young kids that don't know Rocky movies, shame on you. You need to go watch them, all of them today. Except Rocky Five. That was terrible. The one with Tommy, whatever. That was terrible. But the other ones are great. You know what my favorite Rocky movie is? It's Rocky One, and he doesn't even win the fight. You remember the look on Apollo Creed's face in round 14 when Rocky gets up again? And Apollo looks at him and is like, <sighs> the ones in the kingdom that win big are the ones that persevere till the end. You know, what made Jesus Jesus? Is he divine? Of course he's divine. But to fulfill his assignment on the earth, he went through suffering and he went through such seasons of loneliness where the Father would initiate things in his life that would actually bring pain, isolation, discouragement in him, in Jesus. There's a message of righteousness going around in the church right now that I believe is demonic that basically says this, any form of uh, grieving, showing your emotions in the middle of combat, despair, grief is, is not of God. I don't think that's faith to do those things. I think it's delusion. 
And I'm going to tell you why. Jesus gets to a place in Matthew 26. He is so distraught, he collapses onto his face and wells. Have you ever been pushed to the place where you sweated blood? Jesus did. Well, I guess the message of righteousness now would say if Jesus only had more faith, he, all he needed was more faith. Really? Really? You, you sure? You see, some of you right now are in the hardest season of your life, and you do not realize it's the recipe for the biggest blessing you will ever step into. Seriously. I've learned this about the Father. Don't you hate the fact about yourself that you rediscover the same truth about every two years? What is wrong with us? If y'all read my journals, you wouldn't come to this church. I have rediscovered the love of the Father 19 times. You love me? Chad, you've written two books on it. I know, but I didn't know you loved me. But what I'm discovering, again, I tell my wife, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. He got me again in this last season, over crushing me, only to pour me out, and I despise the crushing aspect of it. I taught that four years ago. You know, we've got to be patient. We're human beings. I know that we're spiritual beings in a human body, but my mind's not as renewed as it could be. And there's times, they're just called blind spots. When you're being crushed and the Father's behind it, be of good cheer because you're in the company of Noah, Esther, Abraham, Paul, Simon Peter, and how about this one? Jesus. Let's go to Matthew 26. This should ruffle some feathers. Don't ever attend a church that cuddles up to your own insecurities and enables you to stay where you are. I'm not saying you got to choose this church. I'm just saying you need to have friends and a leader in your life that have a little bit of a spur in them. If your community is all like-minded, it's very dangerous. You need some sandpaper. Oh, if I, if I only had those children, it would be more peaceful. If I only had that spouse. If I only had that job. What if God put sandpaper in your life to groom you into the image of Jesus? I mean, think about it. Jesus abided in the Father, right? How in the world did he accomplish everything he accomplished? It wasn't him that did it. I love this. Jesus said he never healed anyone. It's the Father who did it. But the only way Jesus pulled it off, I found one way. He never chose his own desires. It's the most sacrificial, laid down, completely surrendered person I've ever met. By the way, there is a strong presence of Jesus in this room right now. It is strong. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a passage here. We're going to skip around a little bit. In Matthew 26, in typical fashion, Jesus gets anointed at Bethany. Can we put that on the screen? Do we have that? If not, I can read it. Um, let's go, go to the Bethany part, John, I believe. Yeah, when Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. The table conference this year, I have never seen, I've never received so many words over my life, over my destiny, over this house. Since the table conference, I've never experienced so much warfare as I have in the past three months. Why is it, y'all are shaking your heads, why is it, when perfume lands on your life, 
you hear the audible voice of God. This is my beloved baby boy in whom I'm well pleased. The next passage, Jesus goes into the wilderness. He receives the perfume. This is awesome. This is amazing. In typical disciples fashion, they have no idea what's going on. He has to rebuke them again. You know, be patient with yourself. These yahoos never got it until Acts 2, 3, 4. Really, Paul had more revelation than all the 12. Some of you say, if I could only follow Jesus in the flesh, I would understand much more. I'm so sure about that. Because Jesus calls Holy Spirit the teacher. You got the teacher with you. These guys, they're like, hey, we could give all this money to the poor. Of course you would say that, Judas, because your hands are on the money bag, but that's another sermon. He comes out of this moment. It's amazing, anointing. Let's sashay into the next passage. Right after this, the anointing hits, table conference hits, God's giving you a great word. In Matthew 26-ish, I think verse uh, 9-ish, maybe 10-ish, we see someone betray him. Um, go to the next verse. Let's keep going. It's the, it's, the, it's the part where all of a sudden we see Judas do his thing. Now look at this. Then one of the twelve... From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. It's fine. It's fine to skip around because I really want to get to the later part in Matthew. I wish I could tell you why after our times of anointings come our times of greatest testing. I'm I'm not going to try to spin that and sound brilliant. I don't know. I, I can give you what I think. He's always tested those who are closest to him. The closer you get to the Father, your tests actually increase. They never decrease. You would think it would be different. You would think the closer you get to the Father, he gives you a break. It's not true. I just want to remind you, this is Jesus Christ. Receives an anointing. And in the next, the next verse, Judas comes against him. The devil will typically get to you the strongest, while the Father allows him to, if not even escorts. Think about the wilderness. The Father escorts Jesus into a wilderness where Satan is. It's not as though the Father doesn't know Satan's in the desert. So who's in play here? Both. You're abiding in the Father while the enemy's being escorted to test you. Well, isn't that just funs and giggles? Let's have that conference. Who wants to surrender, abide in the Father, him love you, and him escort you into testings constantly? I think I'll go to the next church. I just want my blessing. I want my blessing. Your blessing is going to come through your wilderness. Your blessing is going to come through your testing. If there's no Genesis 22 and you don't sacrifice Abraham, you you might as well, you can bounce around from conference to conference. Your blessing's not going to come because you get rewarded on the other end of a test. And typically the tests come to those who are closest in your inner circle. On a dartboard, the, the, the four or five circles, typically, I can prove it through the life of Jesus, when he comes out of the wilderness, there's only one thing he really faces the next three years, and that was those that closest to him and the Jews he was going to die for. And even the elevated Jews in the rabbinical system, they all kept coming against him. So the reason that God gives you a different level of power, because Jesus had a different level of power on the other side of the wilderness than the beginning, undeniable, is because you're going to need that power to face what's coming against you the rest of your life. You want that anointing? Brace yourself. You're going to get that testing. But here is what I love, because the enemy still doesn't understand it these thousands of years later. He, he just he still doesn't get it. It's in the testing where you're purified, 
It's in the testing where you find out who you are. It's in the testing where you can even become even more childlike and even trust your ability to keep dying and keep dying and keep dying and keep dying. So Jesus hands Judas the money bags but does not chase Judas down to keep Judas from killing himself. Sit on that for a second. How about them apples? You know that Jesus said, I only say what the Father tells me to say? If you defend yourself against gossip and slander and accusation when God's telling you to be quiet, what you're really saying is you don't trust God's ability to defend you. Remember Pilate? Yep, 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 yep. Jesus did not speak about 95% of the time until Pilate said the one thing he shouldn't have said. And then the Father released Jesus to say, you only have authority because my Father's given you authority. You know what testing does? It gets us closest to the Father where I am afraid to say anything that's not from God. I've prayed a prayer. I don't want to say anything you don't say. I don't want to think anything you don't think. I don't want to go anywhere you don't want me to go. Recently, I was asked to speak at a conference. The Father said, do not speak. I want you to go and attend. It's a test. So I'm going to go and attend. Got an invitation three years to go. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what it is. I feel like I can tell you what it is. Three or four years ago, I had an invitation to go and, and uh, minister with Heidi Baker, Suppressed Satole in Africa. And I was so excited about it because the father showed me that he was going to connect me with Heidi and Suppressa. Only problem is about a day later, I didn't have a piece on it. So I had an option. And I, I love this because Joe Reynolds has taught me this recently. What I did is I went to a few people to get their advice on it. And I didn't go to God on it. What I was really doing is I was trying to get someone to agree with me that I should go to Africa. <laughs> Maybe y'all don't do that. So I was, I was cutting my grass, and I said, uh, Father, I'm not supposed to go, am I? He said, that's your choice. Well, what he already knew is that three and a half years later, Heidi would be coming to this church in February. That was a test on me. You see, testings prove one thing and one thing only, not how gregarious you are that's not the word, how flamboyant you are in worship or loud. It's how obedient are you? You see, there's only one indicator of friendship with God, only one, obedience. Jesus says, you are my friends if, everybody say if. If, if you do what I say. There are people pastoring churches that God never told them to pastor. There are CEOs leading companies that God never graced them to lead. There are people that go to schools that God said, God said you're not don't do that. You see, here's the deal. God is so gracious that his love will still be there for you, but his provision will not be the same for you in your own disobedience, even when you spin it as though it was God. See, the narrow road is about obedience to everything. People, I've been mentoring Joe Reynolds uh, for the last year. He played football at Michigan. We have a podcast called Coach and Joe, and he's, he's caught some things about my life that I, I didn't really notice. I will ask the father where to go to lunch. I'm not even kidding you. This morning, I'm sitting over here getting ready for my epic sermon that I hadn't preached hardly any of it yet. And the father said, go stand out on the porch. I go stand out on the porch. I had a 10-minute sovereign conversation with a lady who loved Jesus with her whole heart. It was so sovereign. How did I get out there? You have to stay in a continual state where, where you are, you pray without ceasing to where you... You flow with him everywhere. And so when he flows you into a desert season of testing and makes you do things that are contradictory to even your own mind, he, he's guiding you to the hard places, the crushed places. It's in those times where you actually develop a confidence in yourself 
and in God that you're willing to go where he goes. The message of the gospel has never been to believe in Jesus. It's been to follow Jesus. Believe is mentioned two or three times. Follows like 80. See, I can believe in Jesus and not follow him. I wish I could play the piano. I'd play some music on that one right there. But if I follow Jesus, where you go, I'll go. What you say, I'll say, Lord. There's so few that do that. It's, it's the Mark 4 parable. It's the 25% thing. I want Bridgeway to be a place. We go where he goes. We do what he, what he says to do. I, I want Because that's the only metric of friendship with God. That there are people on the mission field that God never called to go on the mission field. There are people in this room, you want a vocational job in ministry, and the assignment on your life is in the marketplace. You can do it your way. You can do it his way. We ain't got no Burger King at Bridgeway. You're not going to have it your way. I want to get to, the, to the, the main point. I'm starving, by the way. I'm about to get, we go to two services. I'm going to have to bring some biscuits in here in the morning. <laughs> go to, go, go to the end of Matthew 26, John, the, the, the coupe de gras where he says, nevertheless. I want you to go study this later. Dig into this this afternoon. Jesus gets to a place where um, Judas betrays him. He asks the disciples, can you please just stay awake with me and pray with me? And um, they can't. I don't say this lightly, and I don't even like saying it. I'm just going to give you truth, because I'd rather give you truth than you grow. There's certain places in God you can only go alone. Where you feel misunderstood, where you're in the lonely place. Tolkien had revelation on this with Lord of the Rings. It's called Lonely Mountain in the first scene, the first movie. Um, Star Wars, two movies ago, Luke's on a lonely mountain. There's a place, even Jesus in his humanity, he wanted James, Peter, and John to stay awake with him and pray. They couldn't do it. There's going to come a time in your life, and in order to get the deepest level of friendship with the Father, it's going to be you and him. There's no way around it. It's not even about extroversion or introversion. It's about deep interconnection. That's why social media has exploded. We long to connect with each other. The only way to connect with God on a high level is rhythmically. You will have seasons of isolation in your life where your soul feels so heavy and the only comfort you can get is from the source of Elohim himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's in those moments when he starts escorting you out of that desert, you leave with a level of intimacy that nobody can take from you. People say all the time, can you give me an impartation? I said, I'll pray for you, but it's impossible to impart the history that I built with God through my own story of suffering. Why do we despise suffering? Why? Why do we despise these moments? Look at this. He went a little further, fell on his face. Jesus fell on his face. Your Savior was to the point of collapse. Anybody that's never been there, do not trust them to speak into your life. It's the wounded healers that will change your life. Israel was birthed out of a wrestling match with Jacob, and Jesus made Jacob limp. And from that limp, the nation of Israel was born. You can't know God deeply until you limp. And faking a limp, trying to be transparent. No, you don't fake limps. 
Matter of fact, true limps, they're more hidden and you don't overexpose them. But you know what you went through nine years ago when you were on, you, you know, you, you, you know, you know what he's done for you. Those moments of just isolation where he saved your life, where he gave you revelation, where he met you in the embrace, he embraces us at our worst seasons. Wilderness are blessings. Desolation of the soul, blessings. Henry Nouwen's book, Dark Night of the Soul, is an amazing book because it's in the dark night of the soul. You find out who he is, you find out who you are. You see, some of you want to walk in signs and wonders and healings. What if you knew that that stuff didn't just come from an impartation, but that stuff came from a reservoir of past hurt, past pain? Some of the greatest healing ministers that ever existed went through their own seasons of meltdown before it started. Because the true men and women of God that truly minister, they minister from a place after their collapse. Until you've collapsed, he can't pick you up and use you. Some of you are going through such brokenness right now and such quote-unquote betrayal, and you think, God, where are you? God's in the middle of it. Because he can't use you until you're done with you. He went a little further. He said, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Listen to that. Jesus didn't want the assignment. Do not spin that like he's being, well, I have to say this because it was prophesied in Psalm 16. No, he didn't want it. I can't prove this, but I'll, I'll say it before the Father and I'm going to scream it forever. I believe this moment was harder for him than embracing the cross itself. The sin transfer that started in the garden, I think the Lord said, I can't do this. Simon, would you please just stay up and pray? Please, just please stay up and pray. Have you ever been to that moment where you're just like, can someone just please help me get through this? I say that cool people in the past, I say that cool people, they wear Patagonia jackets and they have tattoos. Most cool people I know do those two things. I don't have a tattoo, but if I ever get one, it's going to be the word on the artwork here. His next word is the key to his success then and now. He still abides in the Father, by the way. Nevertheless, that is the only gateway to friendship with God. It is the only sermon I have to preach. I think 10% of his kids choose the nevertheless road. Some indicators to know how you're on nevertheless road. Demons will flock to your life because they hate that amount of purity. If you never bump into him every once in a while, doesn't that concern you? I've gone a year without warfare. <whistles> you sure you're walking with God? You say, one day I'm going to get to the place of anointing where the enemy cannot get to me. Satan was in the upper room with Jesus Christ. Enter Judas Iscariot. How do you not know that the people in your life that bring that stuff to you, in your organization, in your work, how do you not know that they are there just to be tools of righteousness, to groom you into less of you and more of him? I had an angelic encounter at 3.33 a.m. a month ago. A prophet from Australia just released a couple of weeks ago that uh, 2019 is the year of Jeremiah 33, that God will show us things we've never known. Call unto me, I'll show you things you've never known. And one of the things that he's shown me right now of what's going on in heaven right now is this message of John the Baptist is increasing on the earth. You're seeing his church become pure by becoming less. The celebrity spirit is being run out of the church in the West. You'll watch it happen over the next 15 years. You really will. 
There's going to be churches that rise, that take global leadership coming from the West. I see some in England. I see some in South America. I see some in Africa. And you will not know these pastors' names. You won't know them. You'll be like, who's that prophet? You won't know them. There's a changing of the guard um, in the kingdom of God on earth. There's going to be people that rise from nowhere, from the ashes. You're like, who is that person? It's going to be be the nobodies. It's the movement of the nobodies. There is an uprising right now of, of... people that would consider themselves once peasants. In the old days, the great man or God or woman came into town. Now, in the new days, you're seeing that people are starting to realize they are the great man of God. It really is an uprising against the feudal system that the church has created. And the Father showed me the other night, it's not too different than the Catholic system when Luther penned the theses. It's not, it's not too much different. Even now, even in spirit-filled churches in the West... How about this? Instead of building your friendship with God through the great popular author, why don't you just take out the Bible and go on a, a week's journey with God? Go on a year journey with God? What if this year, instead of reading a book, what if you started writing your own book? What if you started writing your own memoirs of what you've learned about you and God? When you get to heaven and you stand before the Bama seat, you're not going to be standing there with anybody. You're not going to have this Brad Pitt-looking pastor standing there with you all right, at the Bama seat. You're going to be standing by yourself. And the history that you cultivate with God, that is what you will hand him. Quit being a parasite. Quit, quit living through all these other people that act like they have friendship with God. You go make it. You go walk it. Instead of saying the top ten books on uh, how, I need, how I can learn how to pray in the Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to the Scriptures and you figure it out. Oh, if I only had a mentor, I would grow in God. You got a mentor. His name is Holy Spirit. He's called Teacher. You know what? You're going to grow when you don't make one more excuse of what you don't have with God. Let's stand up together. Let's stand up. I'm serious. I'm, I, I, he's what I want. Father, we want you. We, we just want you. We want you. Father, show me a picture right now. Uh, it's, um, he called us in 2018 to become one, and Bridgeway's about to start growing. Uh, where's Nathan Lenardi? See in here? What was the word for 2019? Was it land growth? Is TJ in here? I think it was land growth. Is that what it was? Yeah, it's land growth. Just give me a second. Just give me about one minute. We're just going to start to grow. I see the two services um, getting outside of our walls this year. Uh, God showed me very wealthy people and very uh, people with no means coming to Bridgeway. It's, it's going to look like the kingdom. A lot more ethnic diversity is coming. A lot, a lot, like a lot. And it's, it, everything's speeding up, growth speeding up. We had to come together in 2018. He did a deep cleansing in 2018, and now 2019 is about growing. Um, I gave this word the other day. Remember when I stood on stage and I prophesied that it would be the sunniest uh, summer in, in British history in like 40 years, and it came to pass? I gave a word the other day. The spirit of prophecy hit me, and I said it will be the sunniest spring in the upstate that we can remember for a long time. And I was like, God, I hope that's you. <laughs> um, the rain actually is prophetic. We're 24 inches above normal in 2018. 24, and you're going to realize why that happened. It was even a sign in the natural. The rain came. You're going to see lots of growth. This is going to be the most beautiful spring in upstate. Find somebody you've never met. Give them a hug. God bless. See you later.